Pierce. Oh, he's kept it out! Pools are promoted! Harlepool are heading back to the Football League! So welcome to another episode of HFC Chat. We both realise it's been a little while since we've put one out, but we thought it was vitally important that we bring one ahead of the massive trip in the FA Cup to Crystal Palace this Saturday. Pools are heading to the capital to take on the Premier League team. So we're going to talk about the Charlton game last week. We're going to talk about Exeter. We're going to bring on Mark Carroll, who will talk about his thoughts on the transfer window, his last two games, heading into Palace at the weekend, and then we'll give our view on how we think Pulls did in the transfer window, whilst getting your thoughts that you've contributed on Twitter. Then we'll have a bit of club news, a look ahead, of course, to the big tie this weekend, and that will wrap up an episode of HFC Chat. So getting into it, Charlton last week, Obviously, it was a massive game um, in the Papa John's Trophy, which has put us one match away from that trip to Wembley. It's been so long since we've had the chance to get there. We've been robbed of that opportunity a couple of times now, um, both of the Millennium Stadium back in the olden days, so to speak, for us. And um, then, of course, more recently with the playoffs that we won um, back in June last year. So in terms of how I thought we played, first of all, Joe Gray had an absolute blinder. Once again, his finish was so composed for a young lad and, and it was great to go 1-0 up. I must admit when they equalised and then scored a second shortly after, I was thinking they may go on to score potentially three or four, but credit to the lads. You know, we, we dug in. I thought it was a really solid performance. Obviously, Molyneux, um, getting that equaliser to put it to penalties and pulls edging that 5-4, which sets up a tie with Rotherham um, in early March, which obviously details were released. Um, we're recording on the Tuesday, um, so details were released today that the game will take place on Wednesday, the 9th of March, uh, quarter to eight kickoff. That'll be on Sky Sports. But yeah, back to the game. I thought it was great to see a a solid performance. I think after Stevenage, we really needed that because um, that was extremely poor um, from what I've heard, from what people have said. Um, so, yeah, real positives to take from that. Obviously, we had it into Exeter, which we'll, we'll touch on in a minute, but we've set up that all-important one game away from Wembley tie and I thought there was some standout performers. Um, Stavo, what, what do you have to add on that one? Yeah, um, it was a game that I genuinely thought we bossed from the get-go and to the final penalty took from Sterry. Um, honestly, it's a no league one team on the list of teams we've already beaten this season in, in both this competition and the FA Cup. Um, like, you've named a couple of players there, um, but I think everyone played a part in that, um, from the defenders to, to the attackers, Ola Muller in particular, I thought Martin Smith, a player who, you know, he doesn't really get a fair crack at the whipper, so to speak. He, he has to make do with games like this. And I thought he probably didn't have an absolute worldie, but I thought he had a pretty solid game in the midfield. Ola Mole, likewise, it's 
he might not have done things that maybe stood out to a lot of people, but the things he was doing off the ball, I, again, I think contributed to a an overall good performance. Um, I think generally you look back at the goals we conceded, I think they were a bit soft. Um, I'm not going to lie. The first one, the crossing, I think there was a bit of a, I think a bit of an erraticness, I'll say, from from Ben Killip. It's not the first take, the first time, sorry, that I've seen him kind of. I think panic would be the word I'd use coming from crosses like that. Um, just comes racing out quite erratically, doesn't deal with it. There's a mix up with the defence, and he scores quite a, a preventable goal, I'd say. And the second one, again, quite preventable. And like you say, I did kind of think that might have been. It for us, I thought they might have kicked on, got a third, but what I will say, like you say, Joe Gray and Molyneux, what a goal from Luke Molyneux. It's it's hallmark for him, playing off the right-hand side. He cuts in onto his left foot, looks up and pings an absolute worldie into the side of the net. Two beautiful goals, and like you say, we're now 90 minutes away from a trip to Wembley for the first time in 114 years. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to disagree with you, Olamola. A lot of people have said he was really good. And of course, as you know, we've touched on many a time, everybody has different opinions of how people play. And for me, I don't think he added, added loads to the game. But as you said, everyone pulled together to get that result. And, and one player that I really should have touched on before, and obviously we will touch on transfers, and, and I'm extremely gutted to see Hendry go. Um, I thought he was absolutely immense. Um, you know, he's, he's never put a foot wrong when he's coming to the team. And um, I just wanted to give a mention to him and also to the Charlton fans that travelled up um, in good numbers. You know, for a Papa John's game, that there isn't that urgency really, is there, to, to get up from London, seven o'clock kickoff. Um, but credit to him. And we had to do a long journey ourselves, didn't we? Um, down to Exeter on Saturday. Um, was joined by the other 139 um, polies that made the trip there. I'm not being funny. Once I was in Exeter, I never thought I'd see the North again. Um, it just felt so, so long away. In terms of the game, of course, Featherstone being sent off changed things a lot. Um, it, we, we sat deep for the second half, which, you know, you can understand to a certain extent once Featherstone's off, we sometimes can't afford to commit and perhaps we would have gone after them in the last um, section of the game if we had got Featherstone on the pitch as well and we were still with 11 men. First half, I thought we we played some good stuff. We did. Um, you know, there was that fantastic shot from Shelton, um, which forced a great save. But other than that, didn't really we weren't really threatening in that final third. I thought it was quite a defensive performance. Um, obviously, people will say it's a point away from home, which it is. And, you know, with, with the form that we've had this season, that being our sixth point on Saturday away, you know, you take it, don't you? I think it just, when you have that long journey, you do hope that the pulls could maybe score one or two. Um, but look, we've we've taken a point. I'm not as ecstatic as some people are with, with the point. Some people were saying it was absolutely unbelievable, fantastic point, etc. I personally wouldn't agree with that. But what I would say is we dug in deep and to, you know, go there, get a point and 
and not look we didn't look out of place um you know that that's a positive and i think if if we had had Featherstone on the pitch we perhaps would have gone for it a bit more later on in the second half Davo, i don't know what you whether you agree with that or not or you're happier than me um i think to be quite honest i think the the frustration i think is valid everyone i wanted three points i mean like you've said yourself about our away from the season, it's been absolutely shambolic from from August up until now. Um, looking at the first half, I thought I'd say we were the better team. Would I say by a million miles? Absolutely not. Um, I think it was a matter of just both teams cancelling each other out. Like you say, we created, we got the balls into good areas, but we just looked lacklustre once we got the balls into those areas. You've spoke about the Shelton chance where he volleyed it. Um, over the bar and I think a bar from that all I can remember is the cross from Jamie Stirry it was a well-won header by Bogle but should be doing somewhat of a somewhat better really to get it on target force a corner even if it went straight into the keeper's hands just it's got to go on target it didn't it went straight blazing behind the goal and like you've said I said a half time to you and the lads we were stood with I said I understand we're up against a good exit side, a side who want to be up there in the playoffs. They've got some good players in that team. And the whole kind of plan, if there was one, goes out of the window within 10 minutes. We've spoke about the red card. I'm not going to kind of dwell on it. We've we've watched it back, obviously, on the Sunday morning. It looks... It looks damning to a certain degree. We've paused it in frames and you can clearly see... The, his foot's at one place and the ball's gone in another location. I think it probably... I've seen red cards given for a lot worse, but I, I don't it's between think... a yellow and a red, isn't it? I think, probably. Yeah, of, of course. And I, I think in the, when push comes to shove, I'm, I don't think I'm going to argue. And apart from that, like you've said, it, it was pretty much a, a defensive second half from us. We withstood a lot of pressure um, from Exeter, but look... There wasn't much in the game. They were a poor side. I think if they had some real quality about them, then they should have finished us off. You know, it was just all them. And like like you've said, it would have been nice at times. We brought on Fletcher and we brought on other players. Gray, who I thought did a lot of pressing late on in the game. But yeah, it would have been nice to see us um, push on, try and at least create something. But I think when push comes to shove and you look at the performance in the second half and you look at our away form, against a playoff side and uh, look I understand we want three points we want to really kick on at some point away from home but I'm really not going to argue with a with a point one final thing before we go on a transfer window that obviously shut yesterday um at the time of recording I must add um was the, the red card as we've said it's it's one of them that's it does look bad when you slow it down. A lot of things like that look bad when you slow it down, but it was definitely top end yellow card for me. Um, and I think the players probably tipped that over into a red card. Obviously, the whole team, including the keeper, surrounded the ref straight away. And let's be perfectly honest, the referees are standard and quite few standards don't have the resilience to be able to just, you know, be assertive with their decision. So, unfortunately, that moment's cost the fact that Pulls are going to Palace on Saturday and it looks like without Nicky Featherstone who, who will be absolutely good because these moments don't come round very often for players at the level that we're at and you know I'm sure he's extremely 
gutted and, and frustrated and we all feel that you know I'd, I'd dread to think what it'd be like if, if we were one of those um if we were Nicky Featherston or a player who'd been sent off before a big tie um but yeah it's another point on the road fingers crossed um we've said this so many times this season but fingers crossed it might be the start of a solid platform building Oh, we'd like to welcome on Mark Carroll back to the podcast, one of the regulars. First of all, Mark, I hope you're keeping all right. And second of all, what are your thoughts on the last two games, starting with Charlton and then on to Exeter? Yeah, well, nice to speak again, Jack. Um, the last two games, well, I think the um, the first of all, the quarterfinal in the Papa John's, I mean, that was a shock and cheese from the game we saw a few days prior. Um a lot more positive football, a lot more attacking, a lot more excitement. Um, it was it was good to it was good to see you know some of the players who don't really get a chance very often to step up. And um, you know, like Joe Gray, he was very impressive in that game. Um, Olamola, who you know I think is there's something there is some there is a player in there. Um, you know he he put in a good performance and. Yeah, I think it was it was very very positive, and um, we were a little unlucky not to win the game in ninety minutes, but it was a uh, a fantastic end to the game. And uh, Exeter, um, Graham Lee sort of reverted back to the um, the sort of more experienced to the players who seem to be you know first names on the team sheet. Uh, but I thought the first half, even though we reverted back to the three five two, I thought we played quite well in the first half and a bit more attacking football, more positive. Um, and I thought we were slightly unlucky not to be ahead at half time, but then obviously the game completely changed within about seven minutes of the second half. And after that point, um, I don't think we were, we were, we weren't, it wasn't backs to wall, we weren't clinging on, although we were, you know, we had a lot of defending to do, but the they didn't really test Ben Clip and goal an awful lot. Um, I just think maybe it's the one slight disappointment out of it, I think we could have done a bit more going forward. But I think as the game wore on, we we got into the we got into the wave just to just take the point and, and go back home. I thought we could have had a bit more of a go at them um, with ten men, but without a away record, I don't think we can complain too much. Last two away games, we've got a point a point at each place, so I think we've got to take the positives and say that's a it's a it's a it's a change around from our fortune. So let's hope a win isn't far away. Yeah, just before I pass you over to Adam to ask you about January and how successful you think that's been, uh, what did you think of the Featherstone red card? I think you were in the seating, weren't you? So you were probably closer to it than we were behind yeah. the goal. It was in front. It was in front of me. The first look, first look, I just thought he was going to get a yellow card because I thought, okay, his foot was his foot was about sort of waist high, but both players were going for the ball. Um, I I think that the the opposition's reaction. You know, help doesn't doesn't sort of help puts the pressure on. I thought maybe it's a yellow, but unfortunately, referees at this sort of level, you know, the it doesn't surprise me. You got a, it doesn't surprise me. You got a red because this, you seem to can't put your foot up now. You know, if you you know you raise your feet, anything like that, you're giving the referee a decision to make. But Ferguson's not that type of player to 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 do those sort of things. So I think it was slightly unfortunate. Um, but it gives somebody else an opportunity now, doesn't it? You know, it gives another midfielder a chance to show what we can do without him in league games. We are going to take a look at how January went shortly. Of course, everyone 
will have different thoughts and opinions on how successful or unsuccessful it's been. But Mark, what's your take on our January window? Yeah, well, I saw, I saw your, um, your, your question when you asked me that at 10 out. Um, I say 7 out of 10, because um, I would have liked to have seen a, a couple of more permanents brought in, because we've got five loans now. Um, but I think it's been pretty pretty good. We've, we've got some promising players there. If likes of Joe White from Newcastle can live up to the billing, then that could be a, a, a very good signing. So, you know, him and Isaac Fletcher, a few sort of unproven. But, you know, if they can really perform, that sort of 7 out of 10 could could go up a notch. But I was pleased with the Omar Bogle. That's, I think, at this level, League 2. I'm hoping he can sort of recapture the form he's shown previously. Um, some solid signings there. Bryn Morris, that's a view to a permanent. So... If we keep him fit, that's a good experience in the middle of the field. And so, Marcus Carver, I think that um, the, when we saw him at Carlisle, I think we saw that it was a bit too too much too soon throwing him into the, the first team with the, with the sort of states he's come from where the training you know, twice a week. I think he sort of struggled in that. I think it's a good idea to give him a week or so of sort of full training and then he's got a chance to sort of be involved against Barrow. So I, I think he's got the quality, but I think it's for him, it's just, it's getting used to the, the levels of fitness required. So I think it's been pretty good. We've, we've got covering in every area, I think, now. So we should have enough to, um, to sort of finish in a decent position. So Mark, one game from Wembley now, Palace away on Saturday. It's been a struggle, hasn't it, for a long time following pools. And now we seem to be having some success in the cup competitions, I hasten to add. But how much are you looking forward to heading down to the capital with just short of 5k poolies? It'll be a fantastic one. I think we've just got to enjoy the occasion. Um, you know, the, the result, I would love to uh, pull a shock off, but I think more for us, it's just to, to enjoy the occasion, to think back to... You know some of the some of the other places we visited that are I'm trying to forget. Um, it's just really fantastic, you know, and the solid crowd, brilliant, brilliant for the football club. I hope the players can just go and do themselves justice um, and just go enjoy the game. Um, you've got a dream, haven't you? You never know. And as I say in the semi final, can we get to a final actually played at Wembley? Three, you know, this the, the twice before we would have got to Wembley, we couldn't go. We've had to play elsewhere. It would be it would be wonderful to get to a to get to a final and actually go and go Wembley and you can have you know there can be a hell of a lot more than five thousand pulleys down there. It would be it would I think it would it would top Bristol I think it would top Millennium Square Jack. <laughs> well, you know what's going, Mark. It is time for a prediction for Saturday. Granted, it's even harder to call with being the FA Cup Premier League opposition, but are you feeling positive that we can at least potentially hold our own? For even for an hour or so. Yeah, I, I think we can. I think we can hold our own. I think it's it's going to be what we saw at Exeter. That sort of that sort of organisation resilience is going to be needed. If we get chances, we're going to you know it might be few and far between. You've got to you've got to take them. So I, I think we can hold our own. I think if we were to lose a game two or three nil, I don't think that would be a disgrace. No, well, we'll all look forward to heading down a Saturday and thanks once again for coming on to the podcast. Thanks, Jack. 
So as we've just mentioned there, we're now going to move on to the January transfer window. But before we give our thoughts, thank you to everyone who has contributed. I'm going to read out some of the best tweets now. So Nick McNaughton, he's said, strengthened in the areas where we need it. Happy with the Bogle signing if he can rediscover his old form. Only concern for himself is the lack of permanent signings to build a long-term squad. Should still be a lot of cash left over for the summer. David has said can't complain really hopefully Bogle can get on the score sheet soon and the Hendry departure won't be back to bite um, Ethan who's shocked at Hendry leaving but there's clearly reasoning behind it you've like would have liked a replacement to him or even a left back and obviously we brought in that keeper yesterday that should hopefully give Killip some pressure Dougie said very good business competition um, for almost every position now he would have loved Bury to come back but can't really complain I've got to agree with him that would have been a player that I would have liked back and finally we'll end with Ronnie who said most of the best players and loanees available seem to go to other clubs shopping in the bargain basement once again got a good feeling about White but not too excited about the other signings I guess you know Everybody has different opinions of, of how they think January's gone. You're always going to be under scrutiny when one of your main board members comes out, um, you know, when Challenger's left and said there is serious money. Now, everyone's going to define serious money as something different. You'd like to think that serious money means big investment in perhaps proven players. Um, Bogle was obviously mentioned there quite a few times in those tweets. He's got a two and a half year deal. Look, when you look at his goal-scoring record, for me, he hasn't been bagging the goals um, over the past, well, recent times, let's say, um, in terms of what I'd like to see. But it all depends what you, where you're going to play him. Are you going to play him a bit more on the left side, on the wing, trying to get a few assists and use his pace? Or are you wanting him to play up top and be that, you know, someone who's going to link up with Cullen or whoever's partnering him. So I guess that all depends. Um, one signing I, I am extremely impressed with is Marcus Carver. Obviously, we haven't really got to see much of him, but for him to come in and from Southport, and we mentioned this when we signed him, I think he will be a good signer. I think he, he knows where the net is. That's not to be questioned. And these people for these players from National League and, and lower can really add to your squad because they're, you know, playing in that league where it's quite rough and they've got to deal with a lot and be physically strong, which is what we need. And some someone who's tall as well. There's been what four or five loans that we brought in. Joe White, people have said he, he's a good signing. I haven't heard too much about him, to be honest. Jake Hull again not heard a lot about Fletcher, someone in from Borough, obviously Graham Lee will know him, um, that keeper that we signed yesterday, and then Bryn Morris joining right at the end, who's obviously a Hartlepool lad and really wants to be at the club, which which is a big positive, you know, it, it's vital that we have players that really want to be at the club when, you know, when they sign, because it, it means that they're going to give it everything. In terms of incomings though, personally for me, I don't think it's been that good a window. That'll, I could be proved wrong. Um, but when someone says serious investment is coming and there's serious money, if I look at that list of people we've brought in, obviously Carver 
rumoured to be 20k and Bogle's on a two and a half year, year deal so you'd probably think his wages would be a little bit higher um, but that doesn't scream serious investment um, for myself so in terms of incomings I'd probably say I'm more on a disappointed side I hope that I'm proved wrong look I, that's my opinion people may not agree with me and that's absolutely fine but then we look at outgoings Jake Lawler I'm absolutely fine with him leaving um, Tyler Bury disappointed that he didn't stay obviously in the excitement that was around when he came back and then he played either one or two games and then he was uh, back at Millwall Matty Daly I was absolutely gutted about solid solid player returning to Huddersfield due to Covid and injuries um, supposedly and then goes out on loan to uh, Bradford City which was um, surprising I believe he scored in one of his first games and then Luke Hendry, as I've said in the review of Charlton, a player who I thought a lot of. I thought he was a good player and he's had his contract terminated. Obviously, wanted more playing time, which you can't blame him, can you? Um, and he's got, funnily enough, to sign for Bradford as well. Mitchell, Fondop, Goodwin, not really bothered about the fact that those three have left. And Eddie Jones, disappointed because I thought he was a, he's a brilliant player. Um you know, with a lot of potential. So that was a, a disappointment. But look, everybody is going to look at this differently. People may, as I've said, may not agree with what I've said about January. A lot of people have been impressed and that's their opinion. That's absolutely fine. I know us two have a differing opinion on the whole transfer window, um, but that's football. Everybody, you know, has a different view of things. So with that, I'm going to pass it over to you, Davo, to give us your thoughts. I know I've literally listed every player there, but I'm sure you'll have things to add. No, that's fine. And like you say, we have differed in opinions in the last 24 hours since the deadline, or coming up to 24 hours. It's a difficult one, really. Um, the way I've looked at it, and I have thought about it today, I've, you know, and tonight I've read those tweets off different fans, and I've obviously, I have took time, like last night, reading comments on Twitter and stuff like that, and I've done a lot of soul-searching today, and the one thing I have looked at is, I know it's different because it was different ownership, but I have looked at transfer activity from the past. Now, I'm not saying it's right, I'm not saying it's wrong, but I look at how we've acted in the past, and we have never been a football club to spend, say, spend X, Y, and Z amount of money bringing in two, three, four, five players. As a football club, Hartlepool United have always relied heavily on maybe one, two players at most, say, paid for. And then we've always relied on loan players to come into the football club. I can say, I'm not saying it's right, I'm not saying it's wrong. In terms of this January, um, Omar Bogle, I think Bryn Morris, I think, would be my two star signings from the window. You've said about the two-and-a-half-year deal for Bogle. Now, like you've said, it, it, it all depends on how you interpret the quote of there's money to invest. Does that mean in terms of bringing people in or does that mean, you know, there's a couple of quid there to spend on wages? Like you've said, Omar Bogle, two-and-a-half-year deal. It is an investment into our future, if you want to look at it that way. It's, it's a, I mean, not to say he's going to stay for two-and-a-half years. I'd like to think he would. I look at it that way. It is a, it's an investment in our future. Um, and Bryn Morris, um, another these two footballers in particular, I, I tried and tested 
Football League players who, in my opinion, could quite easily walk into and play regular first team football for a League One team. So I think it's, it, it is testament to the fact that we have been able to bring in these players. Like you've said, Bryn Morris, a Hartlepool lad, he, he needs no introduction to what we as fans expect. You know, he, he said he's he's got family and friends who sit in the stand. So it's great to see his hunger, his appetite to get in, get out there in blue and white and play in front of the fans. And these two players in particular, I'm hoping, can find some form and start to reignite their career. Who, uh, you know, you look at the form recently that they have been kind of just walking around trying to find that club where they can maybe kick on and, and both of them have struggled in the last couple of years so I'm hoping the Hartlepool United can be the club and you know it is a loan deal for Bryn Morris but who knows you know it has been said we could go back in the summer and we could buy him which would mean that would be three players potentially um, secured for, for next season um, these young lads like you've said I agree I know virtually nothing about Joe White I've heard on good authority is a very good young, technical, talented young player. Will he play regular? I don't know. The same with J. Cole and Isaac Fletcher, who I will comment, he came on against Exeter. He, he looked okay. He was putting himself around. He, he was trying to make a nuisance of himself. Again, he's probably a player who needs more game time. And you, look, I'm not going to look at these outgoings. Look, people like Lawler are just... I mean, this in no disrespect to him, but it is dead wood, fond up. Again, it was never going to work for him. We've seen glimpses of him. I've joked on Twitter and Facebook. I've I've joked to you and the boys, but <laughs> we don't need players like that. I mean, that, that's just, it is embarrassing. Um, Jones and Goodwin never really worked for them, did it? Never really got game time. Goodwin, I thought it was quite harsh. I like Goodwin in the early part of the season under Challenger. He looked... He looked as if he had ability, but like you say, it just it wore thin for him. And the Matty Daly one, like you said, I just think it's so baffling. You know, you're told one minute it's like, oh, Huddersfield at a time where you would believe them, you had no reason not to believe Huddersfield. There was there was a time where clubs were really suffering with COVID and injuries. And like you say, he goes back and within what was it a week, he's back out on loan to another League Two club. But in fairness to Matty Daly. Again, he didn't get the game time he warranted. And the same can be said with Luke Hendry as well, who I can quite understand why he went to Graham Lee and said, look, I want my contract terminated and I want to play somewhere where I know I can get first-team football. And quite finally, Tyler Bury, it would have been nice to see him back. Um, we've been going through a rough patch in the last couple of months. We've needed that spark. Bury, he fitted that category, unfortunately, it hasn't worked, but I'm hopeful that we have got the players now to, to go into these last four months. We've got the foundation there and the cover to, to enough now to give us a strong finish. And who knows? Let's wait and see what happens in the summer and hopefully we can kick on and we've got something to be excited about come next season. I just want to put this question to you. You know, with Morris signing, I've had this discussion with a few people. Do we really need another midfielder. Look, we've got Croft, we've got Shelton, we've got Featherstone, we've got Gav, and I could name some more, but do we really need him right now? Is that something that we could have 
well, potentially they're bringing him on loan with an option to buy so that they can see whether he fits into the plans. I guess that's that's one way you could look at it. But is, was it a signing that needed to be made? I guess is my question to you. It's a valid question. It's funny, I, I was texting someone yesterday, actually, because obviously it was kind of known, wasn't it, over, over the weekend. Is I even put in the supporters page on Facebook, it looked pretty likely that he was going to come in. But on top of that, we were also linked with this, was it Biggins, Harrison mm. Biggins from Fleetwood? So that could have been potentially two midfielders. But in relation to your question, it's a valid one. And like I, said, I was saying to you, I was texting someone yesterday and I was half expecting potentially an outgoing. And I'm not being awful. I mean, he's someone I love at the football club and I'm, su I'm sure I speak on half of all Pearls fans, including yourself. I mean, Houlihan, I'm a huge fan of, I think. For me, I think he should start. I think he's one of our better attacker midfielders. I'm surprised he hasn't kind of said, look, I'll take an opportunity to, to maybe leave. But in, in terms of your question, you could argue the case that we didn't. Like you said, we, you could name loads of midfielders we've got. Um, it, it's, a, it's a really difficult question, if I'm honest. Uh, I'd probably say no, not necessarily. Um, but you would take him. He has the experience that maybe Crawford, Smith doesn't have in this at this level. And the way I look at it, it is another option. And God forbid, I don't know, it's the, the second half of the season now. God forbid we got some injuries. Does does another player come in wrong? I ask you. Yeah, it's it's true, and you know it's it's just a question I thought I'd put to you because it'll be discussed by a lot of people whether we need another midfielder. Some people will think yes, some people will think no, and that's absolutely fine. And you know, whatever happens, the fans will be behind the players, and uh, you know we move into the second half of the season. I just hope that we can start picking up points on the road and, and perhaps rectifying that. How I mean, the league form is, is where we need to focus on cup. We seem to have no issues. And I think that's all about pressure and psychology that we've discussed before, before, but, you know, hopefully um, this is, these are players that will fit into Lee's system and uh, can work really well. So we're about to look ahead to Crystal Palace, um, obviously a big game on Saturday. So, We'll move on to that shortly, but obviously that was such an important section that we had to uh, cover and it was great to have as many fans as possible involved with that. So thank you to everyone who's contributed towards that one. Moving on now to the preview for Saturday's trip to Crystal Palace in the FA Cup. Anne Pools will embark on the 275-mile trip south to Sellers Park and not to forget the 4,700 pulleys in that to face Patrick Vieira's Crystal Palace in what will be the third FA Cup tie between the two sides. And just to add on to that note, Pools were the team on the winning side of those two other ties back in 1978 and 1993, respectively. In terms of team news for Pools, Graham Lee will be without captain Nicky Featherston, who will serve his first of a three-match ban after his recent red card at Exeter, and new boys Jake Hall, Marcus Carver, and Nicholas Bielokapic, who are cup-tied, so are unavailable for selection. Crystal Palace head into this one on Saturday after only winning one game in the last six, drawing two and losing three. Their most recent result came a fortnight ago when they lost at home to Liverpool 3-1. 
And just finally, the Eagles' top goal scorer this term is Lone Star, Connor Gallagher, who has seven goals and four assists to his name this season. And just before I do, obviously, go into my prediction and Jack's prediction, I've just thought, you know, this is a a very special one-off occasion for us as poolies. Um, and Jack, you made a, a very brilliant tweet a couple of weeks ago, and I just want to reiterate that. You know, obviously, four years ago, five years ago, our club was relegated from the Football League. And from my point of view, I don't speak on behalf of all Pools fans, but I honestly didn't have a good thing to say about our future. I didn't even know what our future was going to be, to be quite honest with you, especially with what I made all the financial trouble. But, you know, forget that. Four years later, we're back in the Football League. We're in the fourth round of the FA Cup. And Hart, little old Hartlepool United from the northeast of England are heading to Premier League side Crystal Palace. If you said to me four or five years ago, Pools would play Crystal Palace in the FA Cup away from home and be backed by nearly 5,000 fans, I'd have laughed at you. I'd have laughed at you. Honestly, I cannot stress enough how excited I am to be getting up at stupid o'clock again and getting on that coach and heading down with everyone else. Honestly, it's going to be an absolutely wonderful occasion. Um, you know, and I do want to say as well, massive shout out to Crystal Palace as well, who have took this so seriously, so professionally. Not, you know, the they're not underestimating pools. You know, they are taking it seriously. They've discounted our travel down, making it twelve pound fifty ahead, which I'm not going to be funny. I don't think many of the elite clubs in, at that level would have done it. Jack, honestly, what an occasion. What a time to be a Pools fan. Yeah, you've you've said everything there, obviously. You said about the tweet that I put out, uh, about the fact four years ago, we look, we, we didn't even think we'd have a football club. Um, I remember those times and how tough it was. You know, this is something that becomes such a big part of your life, you you go there week in, week out with your mates, with your family, generations of pulleys, and to be able to have the opportunity to play a Premier League team is just incredible. And, and as you say, Crystal Palace, like when they came out the hat, I was over the moon anyway, Premier League club away from home um, and the established Premier League club. But the way they've just gone about it, as you've said, has just made the tie a whole lot more special. They've made a special programme they've put together um, at a really affordable price as well. It's the little things, isn't it? £2.50 for a programme. Like, means a lot of people will be able to afford it, not these cut prices that um, some clubs do where you're paying £5 a programme or whatever. And I'm not being funny. Some people wouldn't be able to perhaps afford that after the travel and match ticket and things. And, you know, the way that the fans interacted with my tweet personally, um, you know, they were just so... What's the word? I don't know. They were just so welcoming and saying how much, you know, they're made up for us. And I think that really just epitomises what the club are about. I know recently, um, not related to pools, but they've put, again, a programme together about um, academy players once they've left and they get three years care. And it sees things. They're a proper football club. And I think that's why I'm looking forward to it so much. There's not this commercialisation of clubs like Man United, etc., that you know, the charging borough 46 quid a ticket for an adult and like 18 to 21 
like well over 20 quid. That's not, you know, that's not what the cup's about. Crystal Palace have epitomised what the FA Cup is about. And, you know, it is going to be special, whatever the result. Um, you know, I'm not really thinking about that, to be honest. I'm just thinking about, I'm going to see little old Hartlepool, as we've said. Um, of course, we think they're massive because they're our club, but, you know, we're going there and we're going to have an amazing day with mates and family and everything. It, you know, whatever the score, I'm not really fussed on that. Obviously, I don't want us to get trounced massively, but look, as long as the lads go out, give it everything and just make it as special occasion as possible. The atmosphere, I'm sure, will be incredible. You kind of can say it's the Vic on an average match day put into one stand. And I know what the Vic on an average match day can be like. We've seen that against Blackpool. Obviously, there was a few more than 5,000 in, but just imagine that in one stand. Like it's going to be mental. Um, so yeah, look, it's a special, special day in, in the club's history and from where we've come from, it just means an awful lot. So I guess that leads on to predictions. It's always difficult to predict for an FA Cup game as Mark, um, you know, we asked him about that and I'm going to say we'll probably lose 3-1. Their fans have said that they're going to... Um, you know, put a solid side out. Vieira's taking it really seriously. And, and look, I don't mind that. You know, it, it just makes the tie even better. And if we were to somehow pull off that cup story, um, first of all, I think I'd collapse. Second of all, you know, it'd just be, well, there's no word for it, really. So, yeah, I, I can't see it happening. I've got to be realistic here. I can't see that happening. I'll, I'll say 3-1 Palace. We'll get a goal and we'll enjoy that as much as anything, even if we've been 3-0 down. Um, but look, don't want to write the lads off. Um, I know they'll give it everything and they, they know how much it means to us. So, yeah, I'll go with that Davo prediction before you take us on to the club news. In the past, I have been quite, um, I don't know what the word would be, nor optimistic. Pessimistic. It's the FA Cup. It's the FA Cup. I'm going to have a bit of a chuckle. I am going to say 2-1 pulls. Two goals for my man Omar Borgel and pulls will head into the draw for the fifth round on Monday. <laughs> um, but just before I do head on to Club News, though, I do just want to say on behalf of the podcast to anyone who is travelling down to Crystal Palace on Saturday, I wish everyone a safe journey down and, you know, what, like... I'm not going to ravel on too much, but honestly, just enjoy the day, enjoy the moment, enjoy the atmosphere and just have a good but safe day. Um, moving on to club news. Uh, there's not a lot of it, but there's a couple of bits just to go over. And the first bit, in the last couple of days, we have seen that the head of sports science, Jake Simpson, has left his role at the club to rejoin and rekindle his relationship with Dave Challoner at Stockport. Um we have seen since taking over, he has done an absolutely unbelievable job guiding them to the top of the table or there or thereabouts. Um, I'm not going to lie, I thought it would have happened a lot sooner. I, I'm not shocked by the news, but you know, we wish Jake all the best and we want to thank him for all his time and effort during this promotion season and obviously all his work this season under Dave and under Spike. Um, secondly, um, it was mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, um, the draw obviously was on. Saturday night for the, the Papa John's Trophy, the semi-final against Rotherham. But just to reiterate, it is on Wednesday, the 9th of March, um, quarter to eight kickoff. And if you can't make it to the game, um, it is available to watch on Sky Sports. Um, 
Thirdly, um, we have also seen last week there was a statement from the club. We know from Stephen Hoban in the past that one of his biggest projects that he wishes to undertake this season and going forward is the is the resurgence and the revival of the club's retail. Um, we know as, as fans it hasn't been to the standard that we would have liked. Um, I will read the statement in case you haven't seen it. It, it says, Hartlepool United would like to inform supporters that the current partnership with O'Neill's uh, Irish Sportswear as technical kit supplies will not be renewed at the end of the current season. Stephen Hoban himself stated, we would like to place on record our thanks to O'Neill's for their contribution to date in the manufacture and supply of first team and replica kits to Hartlepool United Football Club. We feel the time is right to move in a different direction to enable us to grow and deliver against my wider commercial strategy and, of course, provide the best possible service and range of products to our supporters. We have exciting plans ahead in the retail space and I look forward to announcing our new technical kit supplies in due course. Once again, thank you to O'Neill's who have delivered some great kits in some challenging circumstances. And lastly, uh, in club news, we've seen recently the club have made a new sponsorship deal this time with SG Petch. Um, to be quite honest, I wasn't quite familiar with it. I've seen a little bit, but again, I will read the statement from the club. Hi, United are delighted to welcome SG Petch to the official club partnership portfolio. SG Petch are a family-run multi-franchise car and van dealership with branches in Darlington, Durham, Middlesbrough, Richmond, Sunderland and York. SG Petch have been selling new and quality used cars to customers since 1977 and pride themselves on putting their customers and their needs at the heart of everything we do by providing quality products, competitive prices and an unbeatable sales and after-sales service. Um, speaking on, on the partnership, the Pool's Chief Operating Officer again, Stephen Auburn, said, as a part of the deal, we have lots of exciting activation planned for supporters to enjoy and great savings to pass on. The back of the Simpson Miller stand facing the car park is now rebranded with FG Petch. Our kit van is proudly joint branded and we have a couple of club vehicles, which myself and Graham Lee are delighted to be driving as a part of the sponsorship. We are growing our partnerships all the time and it is yet another example of the progress we are making that such established brands want to be part of the journey. And that does sum up all the recent club news and that does in fact tie up this episode thank you again for listening as always and thank you again to everyone who has chipped in with tweets in regards to the tweet we put out earlier again we just want to wish everyone a safe journey down on saturday hopefully everyone has the best day possible keep the faith back the boys and never say die